0: FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click Join Us, and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do. And you'll get access to exclusive, uncensored segments from TimCast IRL. And way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Hope you all had a wonderful Easter weekend. And it was particularly eventful. There's a lot of news that came out uh, over this past weekend. Donald Trump wakes up in the morning and just says, World War III, getting everybody all hot and bothered. But the story that I think we need to follow up on because of the deep social, political, and cultural ramifications is the potential pardoning of Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. Over the weekend, Governor Abbott of Texas announced that he will seek a pardon For this man who was convicted of murdering a Black Lives Matter protester in July of 2020. Now, of course, the left is screaming, saying it's unjust. They're letting people get away with murder. And I guess both the left and the right are saying that this is kind of like Kyle Rittenhouse 2.0. And I think it is. And I think Daniel Perry should not have been convicted. And I believe he should be pardoned. However, currently what's happening is Governor Abbott of Texas says he can't just pardon someone, he needs a recommendation from the parole and the board of parole and pardon or something like that. So he's made a recommendation to them to review the case, send him the pardon request, and then he can pardon this man. Daniel Perry should be pardoned. And I'm going to lay down for you exactly why. Now, first, I'm going to say you've got the left and the DA, Austin DA, says it's deeply troubling that Texas Governor Abbott wants to pardon Army Sergeant convicted of murder. The issue is... They're using texts from Daniel Perry, in my view, out of context to try and frame it as though he intended in advance to commit a murder. And many of these news outlets are selectively editing statements from him. We must stand on the hill of the right to speak your mind as it pertains to self-defense without letting the government decide when you are allowed to tell someone you can defend yourself. The simple version of it is he was telling a friend that he might have to defend his life from the rioters, and they used that to claim he premeditated a murder. Now, I'll tell you what I I think is really funny. You don't see David Hogg, the anti-gun activist, talking about this all too much. Why? Because the story is that an Uber driver accidentally drove into a group of BLM extremists, started banging on his car, and one of them had a weapon at either low or high ready. I, I say either because it's depending on who you ask. Now, of course, witnesses have said otherwise, but there is a photo of him with the weapon employed. He is holding it, hand, he's ready. He can raise it up at a moment's notice, and I'll bring you the evidence. Now, where, where are the, the, the anti-gun or gun control liberals to be like, you shouldn't walk around with a rifle employed on a public street, surround a vehicle, oh, nowhere to be found. Instead, the only thing we're hearing is that this guy murdered a protester. That's it. They're not going to tell you the full context, but I will. I'll show you. First, here's the news from yesterday uh, evening. Austin DA says it's deeply troubling that Texas Governor Abbott wants to pardon Army Sergeant convicted of murder. Daniel Perry was convicted this week of murder for shooting and killing Garrett Foster at a Black Lives Matter protest in July of 2020. Travis County District Attorney Jose Garza hit back at Governor Greg Abbott over the weekend saying it's deeply troubling that the governor wants to pardon Sergeant Daniel Perry after he was convicted of murder for shooting and killing a Black Lives Matter protester during the violent 2020 riots. Perry was found guilty on Friday of murdering murdering Garrett Foster, an Air Force veteran who was carrying an AK-47 during a protest in downtown Austin in July 2020. Attorneys for Perry argued that he acted in self-defense after Foster raised the rifle at him while prosecutors alleged that Perry instigated the shooting. Quote, In this case, a jury of 12 listened to testimony for nearly two weeks, upending their lives to painstakingly evaluate the evidence and arguments presented by both the state and the defense. After hearing from civilian eyewitnesses and expert witnesses, and deliberating over 15 hours, they reached the unanimous decision that Daniel Perry did not kill Garrett Foster in self-defense, and was guilty of murder beyond a reasonable doubt. The argument Daniel Perry made the mistake of saying to a friend previously, they're riding outside my house and that he may have to, um, I'll I'll keep it simple because I don't want to say, take a life. When he was asked by his friend, can you do that? He says, if they attack me and try to pull me from my car and I defend myself. He didn't say I might have to do it because he wants to. He didn't say he was planning on doing it. He was speaking to a friend about the fact that there were violent extremists riding through the streets. Now, I've had people say to me, Tim, maybe he shouldn't have said that. No, 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 absolutely not. You have a right. We, I, I do not. I think the precedent set by this is so damaging to our right to defend ourselves. He must be pardoned. In fact, I almost think maybe he shouldn't be because we need an appeal and we need, we need to make sure it goes to the Supreme Court. We need to take this to the top all the way so we get precedent that says, if you speak to a friend in any circumstance expressing you have a right to defend yourself and that people could lose their lives in the process, you cannot be convicted on those grounds. That's what they're doing. I'll show you the texts and I'll show you how the media is manipulating this, of course. So let's 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 do this. First, I want to show you this tweet from Maria Medvin. Daniel Perry case, read the affidavit from the lead detective, claiming that the Soros DA directed him to remove exculpatory information, quote, exculpatory information that I had intended to present to the grand jury during testimony. This detective believes the Soros DA acted criminally. In my I mean, this is, this is absolutely insane. He says in an affidavit, in my mind, after this directive from Jose Garza is when the conduct of the DA's office went from highly unethical behavior to criminal behavior. This guy testified, and the left is saying, "Well, he testified, therefore that proves that uh, this is irrelevant." No, he's not allowed. He's being barred from presenting what he believes is exculpatory evidence. The question, I suppose, is, did the defense get him to testify as to these things that were like where, where this was? Um, this affidavit was filed a while ago, I think. So the question is, how did the did the defense handle this? I got to be honest. I don't like the fact that some dude died. You have a right to keep and bear arms and all that stuff. But we got this tweet from Jim Hansen explaining exactly why what this dude did crossed the line. In this photo, you can see Garrett Foster right there. He's got his hand on the pistol, on the, on the grip. Uh, uh, and, and he's the weapon isn't directly pointed at the vehicle. People are surrounding the vehicle. They're banging on the vehicle. In what world does anyone think that you have no right to defend yourself when a mob surrounds your car and one guy has a weapon employed against you? Jim Hansen points it out very well.
1: There are a lot of people saying foolish things about the shooting in Austin, Texas a few years back. This picture clearly shows the Antifa BLM terrorist has his weapon employed. That's significant. Here's why. This is Kerry. Not a fan of people
2: running around with long rifles like this, but it's legal. This is employed.
0: Now I'm going to pause right there. And because YouTube sucks, I'm not going to play the rest of the video. He doesn't really do anything crazy. His point is simply that you have a weapon employed, meaning in a tenth of a second, you can raise the weapon right up and kill a person. If you approach someone with that weapon employed, that looks low ready. That means you are prepared to shoot someone. So, as it pertains to Garrett Foster, walking up to this car, he had the weapon in low ready. Now, some have argued it was high ready because he's raised it up. And other videos show that he actually does have the weapon trained on the vehicle, whether or not it was pointed at Perry. There are some quotes that I've seen where Perry says something to the effect of, I didn't want him to aim it at me. I don't know for sure. And honestly, I don't care. Here's my point. You have a right to keep and bear arms. You have a right to walk around with your weapon. As Jim Hansen points out, carry the weapon is, is down. You're not holding it. You are not prepared to use it. Now imagine, as he is standing, if someone was walking around, weapon employed at low ready, you're going to get a lot of questions and they're going to say, get your hands off the weapon. It's one thing to have a, a pistol in a holster. It's another thing to have that outdrawn and you walking around. You are prepared to use it and people are going to say, I feel threatened and I respect that if they do, do not walk around like this. The issue ultimately is Garrett Foster wearing a T-shirt and shorts, had a, a revolver and was driving Uber in Austin when he got surrounded by BLM extremists. And here's the important context. I showed this last week. I'll show it again. This was only a few weeks before the incident with, with uh, Daniel Perry. Police arrest, too, after man shot during Provo, uh, Provo protest. Uh, some people said it was a woman. I'm not sure. But a white SUV was peacefully driving, was not speeding, was not heading towards a protest, was driving down the road. BLM extremists ran to the car for no reason. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Shot the driver. They arrested two people. They shot the driver. This was not... This was not a crowd blocking an intersection and a car tried to run through them. This was a car driving slower than the speed limit, slowing down an intersection when they all run up and a guy just pulls his gun and shoots the driver. Now, imagine you're driving, you're, you're an Uber driver and your buddy says is talking to you. You say something to the effect of like, look, man, I'm going to go drive and I might have to, you know, th- what he said was that he might have to kill someone and they were, b- because there's violent rioters outside. And they said, can you do that or something to that affect? And he said, if they attack me or try to pull me from my car and I defend myself, he quite literally said, I can only do this in self-defense. Now, they're trying to falsely frame exactly what this. Let me show you how the media handles this. We've got a couple different stories. The Austin Chronicle. Oh, boy, is this one good? Take a look at how the left is framing this. I will stress again, I do not like the fact that anyone lost their lives, but I got to warn you against walking around with a rifle, having it employed in the ready, and then being with a group of people who are known to kill people and shoot them, and then surrounding a guy's car and banging on it, and then he sees you with the rifle. Let's call it low ready. Some people have said high ready. Let's just call it low. Let's just say he's got the weapon ready to shoot. He's surrounded, and he's thinking, they just shot another guy in Utah. I don't want to be next. You have a right to defend yourself. Don't associate with a violent terrorist organization. But let me show you this news. Quote, might have to kill a few people. The Austin Chronicle. Oh, boy. And other text, texts that suggest Daniel Perry intended to commit murder. That doesn't, doesn't suggest. You see the game they're playing? Suggest is the important point. And that's what they used on the jury. Let me show you how, how, they, how they handle this one. They break the quotes up so that, quote, paraphrase, quote, let me explain. Here's what they say. Two months into those protests on Saturday, Perry, a sergeant, says in a forehead, et cetera, et cetera. The driver's side window opened and Perry shot Foster four times in the chest and abdomen. Perry turned himself in to Austin police seconds later, claiming he'd shot in self-defense after Foster raised the barrel of his gun. Austin police officers questioned Perry and let him go. Garza presented the case to a Travis County grand jury shortly after taking office in 2021. The grand jury indicted Perry on murder and a, for, for murder and assault. The testimony confirming Perry's anger towards protesters came on the third day of the trial as prosecutors displayed text messages and social media comments showing that he thought about killing them, quote, he said he might have to kill a few people on my way to work. They are riding outside my apartment complex. Perry wrote to a friend in June of 2020. I might go to Dallas to shoot looters. He wrote another occasion. Perry also encouraged violence in a variety of other social media posts. Now, hold on. They're only showing you snippets of quotes. They're not showing you other things. They're just saying he encouraged violence. What does that mean? They're not telling you. In addition, Perry speculated about how he might get away with killing by claiming self-defense. And he is as he is now doing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you going to show us what he actually said? He said, only if they attack me and try to pull me from my car. And I and I defend myself. Maybe he did want to kill people. I don't know. But if his point is one, he's an Uber driver. He drives all the time. He lives in Fort Hood, so he likely drives where it makes makes the most sense in Austin city limits, where there's a lot of people, and that's where he can make money. And then he said, "I will do this if I have to defend myself." How many people have said stuff like that before? You probably you probably did. I've probably said something to the effect of. I will use all force necessary to defend my life if I have to. Are they going to try and claim that if you say something like these people are evil and they're rioters, and if they do this to me, I will defend myself. And they're going to claim that means you intended to murder them. The other thing, too, is I might go to Dallas to shoot looters. In my opinion, stupid. That one I'll say, maybe don't say stuff like that. Non sequitur. I don't believe him saying something like that plays a role when he was plays a role in the in the question of being surrounded in your vehicle by a guy with a rifle. They, the, what they're trying to argue is that this dude drove to Austin intentionally with a gun intentionally, tried to find the protest group and then tried using the fact that a guy who he shot who had a rifle employed was not self-defense because that's what he was hoping for. I mean, come on. A dude says a few stupid things on social media. No. This should not relate, in my opinion, to what happened. Sorry, if the dude showed up and he was armed and he really did want to kill somebody, but nobody had guns and nobody attacked him, then he'd just leave? Is that the argument they're making? And thus, because he was an Uber driver and because he drove into this this uh, group of protesters and, uh, and wanted to do it. He instigated the whole thing. That's the argument. The argument is he wanted to shoot protesters. He sought them out, put himself in this position, and then claimed self-defense. Sorry, I don't buy it. And especially when these when these news outlets cut out the actual quote. Here's what they did: they take quotes selectively and then they paraphrase when the actual quote would be exculpatory. In addition, he speculated how he might get away with the killing by claiming self-defense. What did he say? Why did this news outlet cut? the actual quote where he said, I am allowed to defend myself. The full context appears to be him saying, I might have to do this. And the other person saying, like, how could you do that? And he said, if I have to defend myself, that's much, much different from him saying, I am going to go do this and then I will lie and claim. No, that's not what happened. But here we are. Daniel Perry murder trial interview with APD body camera footage shown in court. Well, you get the general idea, but here we are. Whatever you end up believing, I think we are on the, the, the cusp, as I've often said, of civil war. Uh, or we're in the, the preliminary phases of it. Fisher King tweets, jury pools matter. There are differences between Rittenhouse and Perry trials, but fundamentally both guys had clear self-defense cases. In Wisconsin, outside Milwaukee and medicine, it was still possible to get a fair jury uh, in Austin, Texas. Lefty playpen, it's apparently hard. Mike Cernovich says Rittenhouse would be doing life if those Daily Caller journalists hadn't been there with video. Had the pedo guy Rittenhouse shot in self-defense been black, he also would have been convicted even with exculpatory videos. You can't be in blue cities ever anymore. It's funny. I see this tweet from David Hogg. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Well, if that's the case, why don't we just replace all our fire extinguishers with flamethrowers? Oh, my stars and garters. What are you talking about, David Hogg? Can I, I, I want to point something out. If your argument is that fire extinguishers are good and flamethrowers are bad, then um, perhaps we can uh, analogize this or, 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 or bring this back to the conversation of guns. So are you saying we should have bulletproof vests? Well, I got news for you, buddy. Armor is actually illegal in a lot of places. I think New York banned it. They're trying to ban body armor. So no. You want to make the argument that we should have protection from guns? Fire extinguishers protect us from fires. Help us put them out. You know, they're getting rid of those. You can't have them. Now, the funny thing is, and the reason why I bring up David Hogg is because the question here, why isn't he talking about the Daniel Perry case? You had a guy who was supposedly a good guy with a gun, right? He's going to jail. Where's the conversation, David? Ah, you see, the problem is, as the left comes out and says that this guy, David Foster, was was murdered. David Hogg should be coming out to his defense and you see these guys with guns. Oh, wait a minute. Foster was not innocent. He was marching around with a rifle and had it employed. David Hogg can't step into the fray here because he can't defend a guy marching around with a rifle with it at low ready. And that's the point. People like David Hogg should absolutely be coming out and saying you shouldn't march around with those guns. Uh Oh, that would mean that Daniel Foster was right. Hey, at the very least, he could say, you see what happens when everybody has guns? Foster shouldn't have had a gun. That guy shouldn't have had a gun. Nobody would have gotten hurt. He could say that. He can't do it. He cannot enter this fray. It goes against all of the anti-gun activism. But as I was saying, in terms of uh, civil war, that's the wrong one. Wrong stories there. Sorry, it's this one. Abbott calls for pardon of Daniel Perry after guilty murder verdict on Reddit. And I'll tell you why I bring this up. For the comments. Here you go r slash politics two days ago. One user says exactly what you'd figure. Someone responds, why do far right GOP kooks always go around pardoning hardcore criminals? So um, as I understand it, this guy's got no criminal history. He is an army sergeant, sergeant who lives on Fort Hood. How is that hardcore criminal? He was driving Uber in shorts and a T-shirt and he was armed. And a guy wearing a neoprene vest with a club, a knife, and a rifle employed in a riot approached his vehicle as they attacked him, and he had the rifle at low ready. Now, of course, I can say, high ready, whatever you want. Call it whatever you want. One person says, remember, it's not hypocrisy. An important feature of authoritarianism is creating the belief that when you're in our club, you get special rules and treatment, which is quite literally what they're doing for the far left, like the riotous extremists who they call peaceful protesters, who Kamala Harris pays defense funds for, donates to, or the Biden staffers, I think it was 13, who provided funding. Apparently, murder is legal in Texas now. This country is getting worse by the day. These are, look at all these comments. These are the same people outraged that Ashley Babbitt was shot as she climbed through a window that had just been busted outside the chambers. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed. She wasn't climbing through a window. She stood up and looked through the window and got shot, I believe, in the neck shot after being warned multiple times to get back and not proceed. Big difference between a dude with a rifle with a group of violent extremists who are pounding on your car and he has that rifle and the only person who's shot is the guy with the rifle who has it ready. Big difference. Now look, I can tell you Ashley Babbitt should not have been in there you know some people point out that she was telling people to stop and to get to, to go away but I don't I don't believe that a face peering through a window warrants, shooting that person. I think there's a big difference between that and a guy who has the opportunity to leave, right? So here's the issue. Perry's surrounded. Should he slam the gas? You know what happened if he did that, right? He'd be charged with vehicular homicide. So what does he do? A guy shows up with a rifle. I don't think it was a perfect situation. I don't necessarily think that Perry acted appropriately, but heavens, am I not going to be the person to tell you how you would respond to being surrounded by violent extremists with a gun? But I'll tell you this. If a BLM protester was armed and he was driving in his car when a group of proud boys surrounded it, banging on it, and one guy had a rifle in low ready, if that BLM protester shot that man, they would be saying these far right violent extremists are armed, blah, blah, blah. And that's the point. I think on legal grounds, based on my understanding of this case, this man should be pardoned and that it is likely due to the omission of exculpatory evidence and the politic, the politics of the DA's office and what's happening in Austin that resulted in his conviction. Texas is a state where it's like, stand your ground. That's what Governor Abbott Perry said. I think that is the moderate approach to this story. The left takes an inverted view. So you know what? I will simply put it this way. I could be completely wrong about all of this. And I accept that. I have a political view. Maybe it's incorrect. But the fact remains that there is an inverse political view on the other side And that is going to result in the use of executive office for the gain of one side or the other. Now, of course, you and I are probably looking at the woke left psychopaths and being like the double standards, the hypocrisy and all that jazz. And I think that's probably true and correct. They are hypocrites who want power. I believe they're mostly evil. I believe you can see this in how they murdered 19 people in the summer of love And there's no talk of it. 14,000 people arrested as cities across this country were ripped to shreds. And when I ask a regular person at the poker tables, do you know about what happened on May 29th? He says, I have no idea. That's the media game. They have no idea. We do. We pay attention to this stuff. But therein lies the problem. Whether they do or they don't doesn't change the fact that we are split to such a degree that conflict seems inevitable. I think they're a zombie horde. They say the MAGA cult. The problem is Trump may have a small group of cult followers who do stupid things like burn DeSantis flags. But almost all of the people I talk to who support Trump have reasonable approaches to why they do have criticisms of Trump. And many of them are actually leaning towards DeSantis, but may shift towards Trump. Whereas you, you have on the left, vote blue no matter who. So what? If Donald Trump ran as a Democrat, you'd vote for him? This is where we are today. So I'll wrap that one up, man, because we got a lot of news to go through. And I didn't know this was tough. A lot of big stories. And I'm like, what's the biggest one? Well, I'll tell you this. I am currently here in Austin, Texas. We are doing a week of shows here on the ground. And we're going to be doing a special Friday night show at the Vulcan Theater. It's a live event sold out like a day. We got Alex Jones. We got Michael Malks. We got Al Stein, We got Blair White, Phil Labonte, Luke Rodkowski. Wow. We got a lineup for you. Not to mention there's going to be a bunch of people in town from for the Minds event which is Saturday. And so basically everybody's here. And this is what gets me thinking. I'm just going to say it. If they pardon this guy this week, yo, it is going to get lit in Austin to put it mildly. And that does uh, uh give me some concern. I do I do have some uh, some concerns about security and safety. So um, I, will, I will shout this out to um, become a member at TimCast.com. If you become a member at 10 bucks and you stay on for six months, you get access to our Discord VIP chat. There's a basic room for everybody who's a member to hang out and, and speak with like-minded individuals. The VIP chat gives you access to the voice channel where you can submit questions and actually call in to the members uncensored show. We do that Monday through Thursday at uh, uh, about 10, 10 p.m. Eastern time. And if you sign up at 25 bucks, you jump the line, you go right into the VIP room. And if you sign up at 100 bucks, it's the elite club where we're trying to do more serious community building and networking. The reason I bring this up, not just to promote it, but I am, is that I was going to do an a informal meetup. The plan was on Saturday, I was going to let the elite club know where I was so y'all could come and hang out. The bad news, uh, security threats reached, I, I guess, an unfortunate apex. So uh, a two in, there's two things that happened where I was basically told you cannot tell people where you're going to be. And I'm like, Sigh. I mean, just the elite club members, the idea is that we can come together, that we can hang out, we can talk, share ideas. Couldn't do it. I'm kind of pissed about it. You know, I feel bad because they you know, y'all are subscribing for a reason. And then I say, like, this is the point to have these meetups. We're going to have a club where you can physically show up every day but the security issues in in Austin especially considering the Daniel Perry story have reached a serious point. So I'll just say this. We put in place security measures and then in the end it just means we can't do these meetups. So, apologies to all the members. Nothing I can do about it. And uh we got to figure this stuff out, man. I don't know. That's about it. The backlash Over the Dylan Mulvaney and uh, Pride, Bud Light campaign is getting a lot worse. And I'm honestly surprised the degree to which people were deeply perturbed by what Bud Light did. For those that aren't familiar, Bud Light recently announced a partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney, of course, is prominently known as the TikTok trans influencer, documenting the days of girlhood. Now, my view is that Dylan Mulvaney is not actually trans. Dylan Mulvaney, I I believe there is strong evidence, is just a clout chaser who is doing whatever possible to get attention. And I've actually spoken with some trans people about their thoughts on this. And there are questions that come up around what Dylan Mulvaney chooses to do in order to fit the mold. Now, all that aside, the one thing I find really fascinating here is that many woke people are saying Bud Light's doing better than ever. But objectively, they're not. Right now, Anheuser-Busch stock is down 2.41%. Now, I'm I'm not going to sit here and claim that's absolute evidence of a backlash against Anheuser-Busch. I honestly don't know for sure. Every company can see a swing in its stock. But I got to be honest, if you were investing in a product that decided to insult its core base— That's not a product you probably want to have investment in. I'm not here to give you financial advice or anything. I'm just saying, you know, if I invested in baseball bats and then they decided to have, say, I I don't know, a, a, a pop star start advertising the baseball bats and then actually mock you and say, I don't even know what baseball is. So who cares? Buy the product. You might be like, huh? And that's exactly what Dylan Mulvaney did with March Madness, coming out and being like, I don't even know what that is. hoo, -hoo, beer. And then you've got a bunch of like 30-year-old dudes sitting back, cracking open a cold one, being like, I'm supposed to want to buy Budweiser. But let's break this down, because the videos that we're seeing are actually really incredible. For one, we have a bartender talking about what they're experiencing as it pertains to Bud Light. We've got people posting videos of just, this is amazing, empty beer shelves, and then Marketing guys. Moves to the right, oh. all the Bud products are still Only you there. Could take- On the other side, Michelob and Bush, which is all Anheuser-Busch. But there's a ton of these videos. In this video, this guy says he's an affil- affiliate sales rep for Bud Light products. And they can't move product right now. And he's like, I'm actually kind of worried because I got to sell Bud Light to make a living for my family. But of course, I want to show you these videos first so you can really feel what people are saying about it. But I want to make a few points. The first thing I want to say is go to youtube.com slash Timcast and watch the culture war episode with Vivek Ramaswamy. And I'll tell you why. We predicted exactly this. And I explained exactly this. And I'm proud to say that I was right. Now, Vivek's Brilliant dude. He breaks down how all of this stuff started happening with ESG and DEI. And he and I very much agree on the algorithmic AI manipulation of culture resulting in things like this Dylan Mulvaney scandal. But here's what I want to show you. Will Chamberlain tweets, surprised that Anheuser-Busch is throwing money at Dylan Mulvaney. You shouldn't be. Their VP of communications, Jen Morris, is positively giddy about using the alcohol giant to bring attention to DEI issues to drive positive change and create a more equitable world. I explained exactly this to Vivek Ramaswamy. We were talking about it and I said, what's happening is not. That you have a bunch of critical theorists and leftist academics who have convinced the generation— What happened is social media algorithms have convinced a generation and that ideology of the left just happened to fit that mold as evidenced by the fact that this is a a phenomenon happening all over the world. And I said, you know what happened with Bud Light? Some millennial woman got promoted. She was an intern. Then she was a manager. Then they made her the first, you know, they they made her the, the new head of marketing. And she said, this is what people want because it's a cult. Now, don't get me wrong. The cult is big. The cult has, to a certain degree, some money. Mostly, they just want yours. But there is a demographic to target. But the reason why I highlighted this video first, the bartender's perspective on Bud Light's embracing the transgender illness, someone said. That's not the woman who said this. What she pointed out was, at what point would it ever be smart to mix alcohol and politics? And I saw that, and I'm like, that's a really good point. If you've got people who are angry, they're not getting along, and then you're like, why don't you get drunk now? It's like, oh boy. The last thing we need are bar fights. But I have good news for the most part, I suppose, for those who are boycotting Anheuser Busch, Take a look at this. You can see Natty. This is, a, th- I, look, I'm going to say this. I would not be surprised if this stuff is staged to sh- to show a cooler uh, where the Nat, Natty Light, Anheuser-Busch, and Bush Products, obviously Anheuser-Busch. And then as they pan over, you can see Empty, where it's Miller, Light, and Coors. Not, and I want to stress this too. Miller, Light, and Coors have done pride campaigns before too. But I think Dylan Mulvaney is really what pisses people off. And then you can see all the Budweiser and Bud Light unsold. Okay. Let me I want to I want to explain something to all of these woke leftists who are coming out being like Bud Light. It's not so much a boycott of there's a woman and she's like Bud Light knew. That they need to capture the younger demographic that's aging into drinking and that they needed to blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay, Gen Zers who are like five years into drinking versus the other 50 years of life people have where they are drinking. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? for people who can who are like 26 years old. Okay, you know what, dude? Spare me. The reality is this stings and they know it. And I think it's a good thing. I think people should absolutely boycott Bud Light and they should say, don't get involved in this stuff. It's just plain and simple. But I want to explain to all these leftists who are like, you know, they're just disregarding you as a customer. Yo, I don't drink Bud Light. I don't drink beer. I don't drink look, if I'm going to drink a beer, and I will sometimes rarely if ever it's going to be like a craft microbrew or some other pretentious snooty beer like i'm going to go to a local brewery and try their honey crisp ale or something like that i'm not going to drink bud light that's the biggest problem but let me just put it simply i have no issue with trans and this is what i think the pro- the left doesn't understand okay You've got a bunch of transgender activists complaining about this and defending Bud Light. Right now, we've got the guy from The Offspring, not like we actually like this guy anyway. Offspring's Noodle says, band will stalk Anheuser-Busch, Jack Daniels backstage to counter dim-witted bigots. Me? My, my concern and my, my issues with Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch is not trans, is not pride. It's specifically Dylan Mulvaney. And I've explained this in great detail. Vivek Ramaswamy made a really, really great point in the in the Culture War podcast. Again, go to youtube.com slash Timcast. Really, you should watch this episode because Vivek hits the nail on the head with the hammer. He's a smart guy. He says, we all thought the AI monster was going to be a robot with laser eyes, but it's not. It's wokeness. It's Dylan Mulvaney. Hit the nail on the head with the hammer. Because as I've I've been explaining this for years, take a look at Dylan Mulvaney and what do you see? Dylan Mulvaney is an individual who is trying to produce content to be famous. Animals, Broadway, nature hikes wasn't working. Dylan Mulvaney then claims to be non-binary, gets a ton of views. Four videos later, my official coming out, boom, millions of views. Dylan Mulvaney is the water that filled the hole, the puddle. As the old saying goes, the saying is that there is a puddle of water and the puddle looks around and says, this, 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 this basin that I'm in is perfect. I fit it. Absolutely. It must have been made for me instead of realizing you fit the puddle. What I mean to say is there are so many people and they're all producing content, all trying to be famous. The algorithm is set. Eventually someone fits that algorithm perfectly. That's Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney was hunting for content to be famous, found it with the trans stuff, and then did possibly the smartest algorithmic manipulation I've ever seen with the days of girlhood. As I've long explained that those who are trying to feed the algorithm need to consistently one up what they're doing. Such as with Donald Trump, they say Trump is racist. The next day they say Trump is more racist. The next day, Trump is the most racist. And eventually, Trump is Hitler, and then Trump is worse than Hitler. They have to keep escalating it to keep your intention. Thus, attention, thus with Dylan Mulvaney, day one of girlhood, day two of girlhood, every day there is something new to expect in the numbering of what Dylan is doing. The issue I take with Bud Light is that they are mindlessly marching behind garbled ai nonsense on par with elsa gate elsa gate was when youtube was flooded with videos of elsa eating feces and drinking urine things like that the reason was elsa was popular from frozen people started making weird elsa videos for clicks eventually you had videos of people dressed as elsa elsa running around being chased by the joker and eventually people employed computer algorithms to auto-generate cartoons of Elsa that would get clicks in the algorithm and then mass upload them. Whichever ones did well, they would make more of, and you ended up with psychotic AI nonsense where Elsa was eating feces. I'm not exaggerating. That's literally what happened. That's my issue with Anheuser-Busch, the sponsoring of the algorithmic crisis, profiting off of it. But here's the best part. What Anheuser-Busch did With this campaign is a component of the crisis in that Anheuser-Busch seems to be suffering the consequences of chasing after what is no different to me, Elsa eating feces out of a toilet. Dylan Mulvaney, as it was pointed out to me by a trans individual, did not get laser hair removal on his face. And I say his because I do not believe Dylan Mulvaney is trans. I believe Dylan Mulvaney is intentionally mocking and harming trans people and trying to be mean. I really do think trying to be mean is the key there. Dylan Mulvaney apparently got facial uh, um, modification surgery, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. Laser hair removal apparently is much, much cheaper. And so the question is, why, why do one? Other people have pointed out that Dylan Mulvaney clearly is not on hormones. It appears that Dylan Mulvaney is not trans. Dylan Mulvaney is desperate to be famous by anyone who's ever watched any of those videos. But let's get back to Anheuser-Busch so you can see the real ramifications of what they've done. In this video, let me me just play this video for for you of this
2: dude. You can see for yourself. Um, I work for an affiliate company. I am a merchandiser. And the sole product of the company I work for is Anheuser-Busch Products. So with all this canceling going on, um... There's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in this past few days uh, on these products. And it's it's sad, because when people don't buy this beer, I don't make money, and I can't feed my family. So it's kind of uh, heartbreaking, I guess, that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did. They don't know their clientele so it's kind of heartbreaking. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch. I may not be able to feed my family coming
0: up here soon. Now, I think a lot of it is, to be completely honest, exaggeration. I think there's a lot of hyperbole. I think a lot of people are really, really, really trying to drive home the, you know, nobody's buying Anheuser-Busch. But to be honest, in this guy's video, I'll take his word for it. I mean, I'm assuming he actually is who he says he is, but it's the internet, so who knows? There's a lot of other beers behind him that haven't sold either. I mean, you know, you've got Coors and Boxes here. You got Heineken. Whatever. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of beer has has sold anyway. And I'll say this too. Marjorie Taylor Greene posted a, a picture of her buying, I think it was like Coors Light. Coors and Miller have also done Pride campaigns. So I don't know if that's the issue. For me, it's specifically the algorithmic decay. But... I don't want to try and falsely paint this guy. I don't know him. And I will say um, in the inverse, when he says, I haven't seen so many, uh, I haven't seen such low sales, uh, you know, in the past few days I've seen, you know, for a while or whatever. It's fair to point out, he may just be showing Bud Light cans, not necessarily intentionally saying, look, there are cans here. Nobody's buying them. He may just be saying like across the board, the affiliate stuff that he does, he's not seeing it. It could also be that the dude just bought a Bud Light shirt, put an earpiece in and then lied and made a fake video on the Internet because, well, who would do that? But I don't know. I'll I'll take him at his word for now, because I do think when you look at the stock, you are seeing minus two point four one percent that matters. Let's 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 see. Let's let's talk about that. Let's say you got one hundred thousand dollars invested in Anheuser-Busch. You just lost a couple grand not feeling too good. And if you had a million bucks, you lost 20 something grand. All right. So this does have an impact. However, in the past five days, since this has begun, they're only down about 0.35. So with today being fairly down, well, take it in the context of the greater week. It's only down a teeny bit. In the past month, they're actually up 10%. So you can see the drop off. It's there. You know, you you can see since the end of the month, it's been going down from $66 to, 70, to, to now it's at uh, 64 a $2 drop. But over the past month, it's been increasing. That being said, the increase was before they decided to throw it all at Dylan Mulvaney. So let me show you what Will Chamberlain points out and why uh, I will say you got to watch that Vivek Ramaswamy interview on the culture war, because this is exactly what I called out. You've got this woman, VP of communication, saying, you know, she wants to make real progress in DEI. You've got this video about Alyssa Gordon Heiner the VP of Bud Light, first female lead in the largest uh, beer in the industry or whatever, making a video, which is uh, going around talking about how she, she wants to target a younger generation, a younger generation to, to make more money because they have to adapt this legacy brand. This is exactly what I explained to Vivek Ramaswamy. Millennials are taking over. And the problem is conservatives, you know what they're doing? I don't know, plumbing, carpentry, farming. Take a look where the industry divide is. Woke millennials in big cities are taking control of large industrial and corporate centers. Conservatives are doing the groundwork. We got the Megans of a class war, baby, the laptop class. They know better than you. They are the priests of DEI and ESG. And all of you, you're the ones working the machines for the most part. Now, the issue is many of the people working those machines don't pay attention to what's going on, don't know, don't care. But here we go. And then sooner or later, it will smack you in the face, metaphorically, I mean, that you will get a cold splash of water one day. When you are trying to make beer or something, and then your boss comes to you and says, we're cutting back. And you're like, what? Why? Well, you know, sales have been down. Sales are down? It's beer. It's like, you know, alcohol is supposed to do well in in crisis moments. When you celebrate, you drink. When you're depressed, you drink. How are we? Well, no, beer sales across the board are actually doing fairly well. I think, uh, I can't remember what other um, company... Someone was comparing Anheuser-Busch to other like beer stocks actually doing well, other beer companies. And then it's just like, well, the issue is we decided to sacrifice our working class base of people ages 28 to 80 because we were trying to get people ages 21 to 28. Whoops. You see, the issue is these things aren't popular. The weird woke stuff is not popular. It's popular to the cult. And the cult made a bet. Their bet is that the average person will do or say nothing. There's a meme going around. It's a picture of a guy drinking a Bud Light. It's probably fake, mind you. And he says something like, I don't care if somebody, you know, some, some gay whatever wants to use a slur, uses the leftist version of the slur, uh, wants to drink a beer. I think if you can find happiness in this effed up world, you do it. And it's a picture of a guy drinking a, a Bud Light. Probably fake. They probably took a random picture, put a random quote on it and said, haha, even this this redneck gets it. This is what regular people think. It's propaganda. It's lies and misinformation. Don't get me wrong. A lot of this may be as well. I personally take issue with the algorithmic chaos that is Dylan Mulvaney and think they shouldn't be sponsoring it because that's no different to me than them sponsoring a video of Elsa eating human feces out of a toilet, which YouTube was spattered with only a few years ago. TikTok is allowing these this kinds of content because I think it, it I think,
3: At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: TikTok's interest is CCP interest. I don't, I don't trust that company. There's, there, look, they banned us for literally no reason. And I hear this all the time. People who counter the ideology, who call it out, get insta-banned without warning, without notice. We don't break any rules. We don't even swear. You go watch Tim Now They banned us. And then apparently TikTok like lets you just make new accounts or whatever. I don't know. So there are videos of ours being posted all over TikTok. But for the most part, we can't use it as a hub. I do not trust them. Thus, how does it end up that someone like Dylan Mulvaney has 10 million followers? If you are seeking to subvert the United States, what perfect way to do it? But to make someone like Dylan Mulvaney get 10 million followers, 11 million, and then young people are going to say, I want to be famous too gotta do what Dylan Mulvaney did. Then Budweiser says they got 11 million followers. Not not, not like the engagement is actually genuine. Who knows? I'm just saying it may or may not be. I'm saying they don't care. It's always been this way. These big companies will look at the amount of traffic someone is generating and they will say outright, that's what we want. So let me stress this on the way out for the left. Oh, I got to throw some shade over at the offspring too in a second. I don't care if someone's trans. I don't care if somebody wants to take hormones. I don't care. You know, we actually, I actually had this discussion with Tom Fitton and he was saying he thought it should all be bad. And I was like, for adults, I disagree. And he was like, you shouldn't be allowed to t- cut someone's arms off. And I was like, cutting someone's like, giving someone a sex change and hormones is not the same as removing their arms. Sure, you're removing their ability to reproduce. Don't get me wrong, but they can still like eat and survive. And if they don't have kids like, well, then so be it. Whatever, man. I don't know where that line is when where someone is allowed to modify their own bodies. So I'm not really sure I want to get involved in that conversation, tell someone what they can or can't do, right? It's an interesting question there. Uh, on that matter, too, it's like the left will make all the arguments of me being far right. Like I'm even, uh, I'm, I'm, tradi- I'm, I'm a traditional pro-choicer in that there should be limitations after a certain point in terms of abortion. But I lean more towards not having the government be involved because there's really screwed up things that can happen I know there's a lot of challenges. The abortion debate's difficult because a lot of people just use it as contraception. But I digress. My point is, I'm like center left traditionally, but these people call me far right. My problem is not trans, is not gay pride. It's none of those things. Absolutely not. It is the algorithmic decay of someone like Dylan Mulvaney, the narcissistic, histrionic personality disorder, the sociopathic behavior to be famous, and the insult to trans people and women that Dylan Mulvaney represents. And I say, good, boycott him. Offsprings Noodles doesn't seem to understand that. These people have such a shallow view of what's actually going on that he says, you're a dim witted bigot. You don't even know what the position is, Noodles. Not to mention you kicked out your drummer because his doctor advised him against uh, against a medical procedure. Man, look, dude, you're a scumbag. I got I, I don't care. Whatever, man. Old aging rocker, fine. Good job with Smash, the the uh, largest volume for any independent album in the history, still to this day, and it'll probably never be broken because album sales are in the decline. So congratulations, you've accomplished that. But you turned out to be an ignorant, angry moron who is only hurting everyone else. Go buy your Anheuser-Busch products in your weird reactionary way. I don't care. Me, I'm about progress. And what's happening with social media manipulation and algorithmic manipulation is not progress. It's decay and degeneration. So what we need is freedom, liberty, meritocracy, good things. We want good thing. They want bad thing. It's a joke. Shout out to Seamus from Freedom Tunes. But anyway, here's what I can say. If you want to better understand why all of this is happening, go to youtube.com slash TimCastIRL. Check out The Culture War Episode 7 with Vivek Ramaswamy. GOP candidate competing with Trump, ending wokeness. And we talk a lot about it. And this dude is one smart. He's a smart guy. I'll just put it that way. I think he runs circles around DeSantis and Trump when it comes to what's really happening to our culture. I told him outright, he ain't going to beat Trump. But we need his input because I don't, I think there are very few people who see it as clearly as this guy does. So here's what I'll say. This video, we can, we can bro- uh, approach the surface level of the Anheuser-Busch backlash. But if you want to go deep on how it's all going down, check that out, youtube.com slash Timcast. This Easter weekend, Donald Trump sent a warm message to everyone. Warm as in the warmth you will feel when an all-out nuclear war is vaporizing your flesh and the buildings around you. That is, Donald Trump issues a chilling Easter message, warning of all-out nuclear war. Trump has delivered a chilling Eastern message. They just keep I I love how the subheader is the same as that. That's basically it. Donald Trump tweeted World War Three. Now, I don't know exactly what he was thinking or why he did. But thank you, Donald Trump, for reminding us that we stand on the edge of oblivion. And there's a handful of stories that are coming out that have me particularly worried. First, it is this story from ABC News. China military ready to fight. After drills near Taiwan, China's military has declared it is ready to fight after completing three days of large scale combat exercises around Taiwan that simulated sealing off the island in response to the Taiwanese president's trip to the U.S. last week. Okay. Well, there's an even bigger story that's happening right now, and that is the leaking of documents from the Pentagon. as it pertains to the war in Ukraine. And lo, my friends, what does this information bring? It appears that Russia is winning. Surprise, surprise. The narrative from the West has consistently been that the U.S., that the West, that NATO has been succeeding. If these documents are legitimate, it, well, it calls all of that into question. Which is interesting because we've had people on Timcast IRL say things like Russia's getting completely obliterated. Not according to these documents. According to these documents that are being leaked, it appears that Russia has suffered only around ten percent, less than ten percent, of the casualties they claimed Russia has actually suffered. Interesting. And why may that uh, why is that the, why why might that be the case? First, the obvious. The documents may have been doctored. It seems like a silly argument to make. They're saying the documents appear to be real. And if they do, then it seems like, but they may be altered. That's sort of a, look, we can't deny these documents, but we can call them into question. I think there is a more obvious reality here. The documents are legitimate. And they show that Russia ain't doing that bad. So, uh-oh. It may be. Fair point that the documents are actually altered. But if it turns out that these are correct, we've got two big stories which are very worrying, which leads me to say yeah, Donald Trump is probably very, very correct in his simple statement, World War Three. And that is to say that China is gearing up for a fight. Russia ain't doing bad. Ukraine's about to lose. And we are dumping so much into this. We will be entering, if not, we've already had have entered World War Three. The idea they want to convey to you is that we are winning. Russia's being crushed. They've failed. Their tanks are being flattened. Their troops are being killed. They're desperately conscripting people. We won. Why? They want you in the war. They want you committed to their war. If the reality was, and they came out and said, our efforts are fruitless. We're wasting money. Russia is winning. And this fight could potentially lead us to all out war. People would say we don't want it. We don't want it's not worth it. And for what? The petrodollar, perhaps, sure does make life very, very comfortable for a lot of people in this country. But who? Urban liberal types? If I were to tell you that tomorrow we'd be ending the war in Ukraine, and that meant the petrodollar is done and you're going to have to go out, chop some wood yourself, start doing some hard work because it's going to get bad. The economy is going to tank worse than you realize. You know what would happen? big city investor, wealthy industrialist would be like, oh no, heavens help me. And working class and rural living folk would be like, okay. It's the urban liberal types who are freaking out about this. Why should I be dragged into your war to save your gluttony in New York City? I got, look, man, I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying it'll be the greatest experience of my life. I love luxury. I like being able to chill out, grab some Parmesan cheese crisps and have some hummus. That's what I was just doing, by the way. That's why I bring it up. It's it's great. Go to the store. There's a big old thing of coffee right there. But we don't manufacture enough, and so it's entirely possible that when the petrodollar falls, your life will get bad. So choose wisely. International war and conflict, foreign interventional interventionism, interventionism, whatever you want to call it, or doing the hard work to survive on your own. I'm willing if it means ending this garbage. Take a look at this from the Daily Mail. Leaked Pentagon papers predict Ukrainian air defenses will be exhausted by May 23, leaving Putin free to send in fighter jets as it's feared latest $2 billion U.S. aid won't be enough to save Zelensky's army. Uh-oh. Well, here the, uh, here's the story from the New York Times, which I think y'all need to hear. Ukraine war plan leak prompts Pentagon investigation. Classified documents detailing secret American and NATO plans have appeared on Twitter and Telegram. Heavens me. The leaked documents do not provide specific battle plans, but they offer a snapshot of time. The American and Ukrainian view as of March 1st of what Ukrainian troops might need for the campaign. The Pentagon is investigating who may have been behind the leak of the documents, which appeared on Twitter and on Telegram a platform with more than a half a billion users that is widely available in Russia. Military analysts said the documents appear to have been modified in certain parts from their original format, overstating American estimates of Ukrainian war debt and underestimating estimates of Russian troops killed. Well, hold on there a minute, my friend. What they're basically saying is the data in these leaks don't align with what the government tells the American people. Therefore, they must have been modified in some way or uh, I don't know. It's the truth. Who are you going to trust? Now, look, if this leak came from Russia, then they're going to lie. And so it may be lies. I don't know, man. I can only tell you this. All of it is propaganda, either pro or anti-Russia. Check this out. One of the slides said 16,000 to 17,500 Russian soldiers had been killed, while Ukraine has suffered as many as 71,500 troop deaths. The Pentagon and other analysts have estimated... That Russia has suffered far more casualties, with closer to 200,000 killed and injured, while Ukraine has had more than 100,000 killed and injured. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna play this. I'm gonna, I'm, let's play the game. Okay. First, yes, entirely possible. Somehow, Russia got access to these documents, manipulated them because they want to sow distrust. I don't care. I don't think we should be supporting Ukraine in this war anyway. I like Ukraine. It's an amazing country. I like the people there. They got problems with corruption, but it really is a beautiful place with good people. Okay, and I wish for them the best. But you're not going to explain. You're never going to be able to come to me short of some apocalyptic comic book villain reason. You're never going to get me to say, yes, we should have people in in Ukraine and weapons and armaments and be sending more. Sorry, the UK sending depleted uranium tank busters, not
3: at LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Russia, of course, is fighting on their border. But now let's talk about what makes sense. A document gets leaked. It comes from the Pentagon. Maybe it wasn't Russia. It says only sixteen to seventeen five thousand Russian troops dead, and seventy one thousand five hundred Ukrainian dead. So interesting. Let's break this down. The official numbers that we have is that Ukraine is more than 100,000 killed. Interesting. That's more than what this document claims. If Russia modified it, why would they lower the amount of Ukrainians killed? Wouldn't they want to make it seem like Ukraine's losing badly? Hmm. Let's take a look at this. 200,000 Russians uh, uh, casualties. So not necessarily, you know, killed or whatever. I think that's an important distinction. They're saying casualties. Casualties could, could mean injury and, and capture. But let's just say they're referring to killing because that's the context of the, of the conversation. You mean to tell me that Russia, I get it. They, they may not be nearly as powerful as we are, but you, Russia losing to Ukraine? Spare me. Now Don't get me wrong. NATO is definitely involved. So, OK, fine. But let's talk about the reality here. Why would this leaked document have a lower number of Ukraine troop deaths if Russia had modified this? Russia is going to lower the number? Makes no sense. But if it was true that the U.S. is lying, why would they make it seem like Ukraine has had more deaths? Isn't it obvious? The U.S., Western powers and intelligence want it to seem like Ukraine needs us and they need your help. So they make the death number a little bit higher. And then they make the, the Russian death death count much, much higher. So they say, see, look, we're losing a lot of people. We need your support. They say, look, look, Russia's lost more. It Makes sense. I do want to point out the heavy manipulation the New York Times is engaging in, though, because this is what you need to understand. And I wonder, I really do. I'm like, is the media giving you this context? Take a look at this. The words they use are very important. One slide says 16K to 17.5K Russian troops had been killed, while Ukraine suffered as many as 71,500 troop deaths, killed and deaths. They then say the Pentagon and other analysts have estimated that Russia suffered far more casualties. What's a casualty? It could mean injured, captured, or killed. They say with closer to 200,000. Are they basically saying they've injured a bunch of Russian soldiers? While well, Ukraine has had more than 100,000 killed and injured. Okay, well, hold on a minute. What's going on here, in New York Times? These numbers could be perfectly in line. You see, that's the game they play. Russia suffers 200,000 casualties. Yeah, and a hundred and, you know, 82,500 are actually uh, just like, you know, ankle injuries and guy sprayed his ankle and like one guy, he got a shrapnel in his arm and they're all fine. They're all still fighting, but those count. So we're going to put them in the books. That could be it. Propaganda. When they say casualty, most people assume death. That's the manipulation that we are seeing. But let's be real. Leaked Pentagon papers predict Ukrainian air defense will be exhausted by May 23rd. The $2 billion the U.S. ending ain't enough. Don't be surprised if it is never enough and it only gets worse. With China gearing up for war, my friends, we may be staring down the barrel of, say it, Donald Trump, World War III. But don't take it from Trump. Didn't the Pope already say it? I love how they make this full news story about Donald Trump truthing just the words World War Three. Okay, he did say, however, before this could very well lead under the Biden administration's leadership to an all out nuclear World War Three. To uh, can't happen. What? We're not very far away from it. Believe it or not. Interesting. Russia wants to move nukes into northern Belarus. I believe he is going to do this. And this means we may be, as I stated, staring down that barrel. Why? I don't know what kind of nukes he would use, but I believe he would. And it's funny when people say he would never use nuclear weapons. Why not? And that's because people, man, I was hanging out with the boys over at the Lodge Card Club. Cool place, by the way, in Austin. And we were talking politics because it's apparently allowed there. And I said, the problem with everything going on is that people believe the world is like a movie. When they watch a movie about nuclear war, it's like Russian President uh, president um, Blorovich has launched the nukes. And it shows the the president be like, fire the nukes. And then they press a button and then a bunch of ICBMs fly. In movies, it's all ICBMs. In movies, guns sound very, very different. Movies are not real life. People don't get it. You know, I'm walking around, I'm in the airport flying out to Austin. and I see all these people just going about their business like nothing's happening. And I thought to myself, maybe it's not as bad as I think it is. Maybe there's some political instability, but regular people are getting by. And then I'm just reminded of my time in Ukraine and my time in Egypt. And I'm witnessing this stuff break down. It's the exact same. And that's the bias. The average person goes to the card club and they're like, everything's fine to me. And then I'm like, dude, ignorance may be bliss, but the world may still be burning down around you. We may not be paying attention to all this stuff, but it's clearly here in front of our faces. Now, I think it's fair to point out that, that it's, it's always here in some fashion. Throughout my entire life, I am now 37, there's always been some crisis. I mean, the Afghanistan war, the Iraq war, some major crisis, 9-11. But you know, they weren't an existential crisis for us for the most part, like we are facing now on every front. The petrodollar collapse, the BRICS nations, the Chinese won, Chinese, uh, uh, what is it, Belt and Road Initiative, Russia, war, Ukraine. Not to mention the conflict here in the United States. And all I hear from everyone is, I have never seen it this bad. And I say, okay, maybe they're right. These people all older than me have never seen it this bad. And that may be the case. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what we'll see. But it looks like we're on track for something dark. I absolutely had to squeeze this video into a segment. I know it happened a couple days ago or it happened the other day, but it must be done. Donald Trump cheered during surprise appearance with Kid Rock at UFC event. Oh, boy. I'm playing the video, (laughs) playing the video for you, because I think more than anything, this video proves that we are living in a simulation. Jorge Masvidal thanks Donald Trump, calls him the greatest president in the history of the world, and then starts a let's go Brandon chant. You know what? Don't take my word for it. You just listen. Oh, there's no audio playing? Oh, that's my bad. That's my bad. There we go.
1: And I appreciate everything you've done.
0: Also, I want to say,
1: greatest president in the history of the world, sitting right there. I love that guy. We also got the greatest governor of all time here in Florida. Let's keep Florida free, a red state, and let's take that. You know who? Let's go, Brandon, motherfucker, out of power and replace him. If I back again it just one time. Let's go, Brandon. Let's
0: go, Brandon! I'm out y'all. Video five for life. Oh man, I had to. I absolutely had to get a video on this. Jorge Masvidal leads a crowd at Uf- UFC chanting "Let's go, Brandon," with Joe Rogan on the microphone, holding the microphone, and Donald Trump and Kid Rock in the audience. <laughs> Yo, bravo, bravo. Donald Trump cheered during surprise appearance with Kid Rock at UFC event. I, 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 I'm sorry, man. I watched that stuff and I'm like, can we just can I just point this out that we got here? Let me let me read. The former president received a rousing welcome as he made a surprise appearance at the event at the Kaseya Center in Miami, according to videos and photos posted on social media. The audience later chanted USA after Trump got up to wave, got up to wave to them. According to one video, he sat ringside with Dana White, Kid Rock, Mike Tyson, Trump Jr. (laughs) I can understand Trump Jr. being there, but like Dana White, Kid Rock and Mike Tyson. (laughs) You know what? Amazing. Look at this. Look at this. Mike Tyson, Kid Rock, Donald Trump and Dana White. Joe Rogan on the mic. With uh, And getting Jorge Masval to chant, let's go, Brandon. You know, let me say, uh, Trump's appearance at the event comes after he was arraigned in New York courtroom. He, I love how they, they put this in there. Meanwhile, Kid Rock, a longtime supporter, made headlines this week for his response to Bud Light's partnership. And they're able to cram all of this, this this, stuff in there. And it even gets into quotes from Dylan Mulvaney. It's just, okay, okay, we get it, we get it. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a simulation. That's the only way I can break it down. And a video like this, the reason why I want to highlight it, actually makes me feel really good, and it makes me feel really, really hopeful. And I hope you all feel that same way too. The hypocrisy we see from the left, is, it's, it's, it's obvious, and it's, and, it's, and it's staring us in the face. But take a look at this. This is UFC. This is mainstream American entertainment. This is 2.2 million views. This is the biggest podcaster in the world, Joe Rogan, coming up for a comment to Jorge Masvidal, who then cheers for Donald Trump in the audience with Kid Rock, Mike Tyson, and Dana White. Can you believe it? When I see these powerful influencers all converging in this one moment. Trump, Rogan, Masvidal, it's like UFC, Mike Tyson, Kid Rock. And they're being cheered for in this stadium. They're chanting, let's go, Brandon. They know what that means. People know what let's go, Brandon means. These people don't like Biden. I got to tell you, man, it's what I don't I don't get. And many of you, I think you understand. I think you get it. All right. I'm hanging out Go to a bar, go to a barbecue, go to the poker club, whatever it might be. Nobody likes Joe Biden. Not a single person. Everyone I see everywhere complaining about the guy. And so sometimes I wonder, what's really going on? Well, you know, we've been having a good time. And I got to give an honorable mention to Elon Musk about the simulation we're living in. Elon Musk says, our landlord at SFHQ says, we're legally required to keep the sign as Twitter and cannot remove the W. So we painted it background color problems (laughs) solved. You see, these are the kind of things that give me hope, that people are actually engaging, they're they're silly, they're having fun. This shows victory. I don't know if you saw this one. It's not completely in line with Trump and and Masvidal and Dana White and Joe Rogan and all that stuff, but I think this matters, and it's in a similar context. The Twitter sign at Twitter HQ, he put, uh, Elon Musk covered the W so it said Titter as a gag because he said, if I buy Twitter, you know, should I rename it to Titter. And then apparently the landlord was like you can't do that. So he just changed the color so now it just looks like it says titter. The w is now white. What this says to me is that the influence that you and I have, the meme makers, the meme enjoyers, the people actually engaging with culture were winning these spaces. The Anheuser-Busch boycott is massive. Now I don't know if it's really going to have an effect on the bottom line, but culturally people are saying, "Yo, enough. I'm not interested." Elon Musk buying Twitter was a major move in the victory, a major, a major move in the culture war towards victory, I should say. What we see here with Jorge Masvidal is a major victory culturally. What we need is in the future, young people will think about these individuals and these moments and say, I want to be like them. Excuse me, because that's the thing that I see so much of what is inspiring young people. I'll tell you this. It is not Dylan Mulvaney. That is algorithmic manipulation. And part of me almost hopes that it's all one grand experiment. That's what it is. If we are in a simulation, they're simply testing us to see how these things affect the rest of society. You get an algorithm. It promotes certain ideas. Will that be able to overcome the natural human drive? And I believe the answer is no. Because you're hearing about Jorge Masvidal, not because of an algorithm. Well, to be fair, to a certain degree, you are. What I mean to say is they are shoving things down our throats. They want to make sure that we all adhere to a certain rule set and ESG. But we decide what we want to share. And we share videos like this. And the human sharing aspect cannot be shut down. They try to ban us. They try to censor us. They try to implement rules, but we find a way. And with the rise of rumble, YouTube alternative rumble, you're seeing that these people, they tried to silence. They still have a voice. You take a look at Twitter and what happens. You get someone like Elon Musk dropping the hammer and saying, nah, I'm not playing that game. And while we may be on the ropes, I'll put it that way. I do see victory ahead. I do. Let me explain. I want to make sure you understand the context of what I'm saying. Because I've said it many times. I believe things will get worse. I believe we are facing conflict. I believe woke people are going to gain a lot of control in institutions. But I believe the collapse is the night being the darkest. And we are the survivors who will make it through. I think that the people who are pushing for the insanity, the woke nonsense, the mutilation of children, they can't succeed in the long run because of basic arithmetic. If they are more likely to sterilize themselves and their kids, and they are more likely to abort their own kids, given enough time, they will cease to exist. And of course, people then say they don't have kids, they have yours, but I don't see them winning that fight either. With James Lindsay, with Chris Rufo, with this battle at schools, they're trying as hard as they can to get this stuff in schools. They're losing across the board. Now, they've certainly fortified in certain states. And the key states we need, there's trouble. Wisconsin, what do we got, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia. These are the states that I, th- uh, who was telling us this? This was, um, uh, who do, who do uh, Charlie Kirk on Tim I will say, these are the states we got to win. Well, then you got to redouble your efforts. People like Scott Pressler, they've been on the forefront of this. And you got to take a look at what he's doing. Because we may see tremendous cultural victories. I think with this video, what you see is regular people say enough to the woke nonsense. That means we've got to win. The Democrats have become masters at ballot chasing, collecting ballots, finding them wherever they can. We may have the culture. We may have the fun. We, people like Joe Rogan, you tell, come on, Joe Rogan is the biggest podcast in the world for a reason, organically and independently. And these big corporations wish they had that influence. But if we're going to win politically and we're going to stave off the financial ruin of this country. We've got to be politically active. We've got to get more people knocking on doors. We've got to have more conversations. You need to tell people to share more videos like this, to vote, uh, fill out their their, their mail-in ballots. We need more activists knocking on doors. If we do all of those things, you know what? We are going to win. So I want to give a shout out to Jorge, to, I don't know if Joe Rogan wants to be lumped into this, but this moment is one of the most epic moments I've ever seen. And that's why it's got 2.2 million views just in this one video alone. And, and this tweet, 3.4 million views, meaning some people didn't watch the video. But I think more and more people got to see this and understand we can win it. So one of our reporters, like basically one of our only ground reporters, Elad Eliyahu, went out for drinks in Brooklyn. And uh, Elad made a mistake of, well, his first mistake, living in New York City. His second mistake was trying to go to Brooklyn, of all places. And of course, end up getting harassed by this dude. I want to play these videos for you where the bartender basically breaks down why someone like Elad is not welcome to have a drink or to associate in these neighborhoods. And this is why I'm saying, I know I'm going to say it, Civil War. Because it may not be. It may not be this moment. This may seem like nothing to you. But let me play for you this video and help you understand. Because what I'm seeing with this With a video like this, first of all, Elad's my friend, and he does a really great job as a journalist. When we have him on the show, he asks very straightforward questions. It's some of the most straight-laced journalism you'll ever see. When he's on the ground with the left or the right, he's asking questions and doing his job properly, and that is what they don't like. He's ideologically opposed to them by simply the questions that he asks. Now, right now, it may seem like no big deal. Like, and so he got kicked out of a bar. Who cares? Who cares? If this kind of stuff continues along with the street violence, the weaponization of the government, and then we have this story, FBI slang terms, Chad based and red pilled. It's over to target racially motivated violent extremists. The FBI has a list of words like Chad and based, which makes you a racially motivated extremist. The left and the right both use based. But you see where we're going. The weaponization of government. So let me show you this. Let me show you this video. Elad Eliyahu says, was out for drinks in Brooklyn last night where a far left activist regular who was bartending started screeching at me about being a Zionist fascist and falsely claims I harass abortion patients or dox people as a result of my reporting. Not only is that just absolutely untrue, it's insane. Well, here's the video. There's two videos. Let me play this one for you.
1: Not my boy Elad. This person right here, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, harass patients trying to get reproductive health care at Planned Parenthoods. Fuck off! That's Elad, by the way. Hey, no, why are you walking away? That's Elad. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe it. You have the balls to have a fucking social life.
0: <laughs> Come on, dude. Let me just say. Do
1: not ever step in this neighborhood. Ever. Get out of your fucking mind.
0: And that's it. That's the point right there. That's the point right there. He says, you're out of your mind. Don't you step foot in this neighborhood. That's what I'm talking about. Now, here's my thing. You know, I say this to Elad. Did he ask you to leave? I'll hit him up. I just saw he tweeted this. Did they ask you to leave? Because if it were me, I'd be like, are you asking me to leave, bro? Like, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. Yeah. All right. I'm out. That's it. I don't know if he actually did or not, because all he was doing was just yelling about who he was. But I have been in situations like this before, and I just stand there. Few years ago, I was at an event at um, where was this Columbia. Mike Cernovich was speaking. I barely knew the guy; I had talked to him one time before. At this point, a bunch of far left lunatics are all protesting and screaming, and I'm sitting there filming with my GoPro on the gimbal. The funniest thing ever is that the, this one guy starts screaming. He's like Mike Check, and he's like that's Tim Pool, and they're all like that's Tim Pool. He's like don't let him film you. So you know me, like I'm not stupid. Um, you know, I grew up in the hacking, hacker community. So I kind of understand people a bit. I did this, uh, this really funny thing where when he pointed, I started looking too, like, who, where? And it confused the heck out of everybody. All of these leftists are like looking around and I'm looking around with them. And then he's pointing at me and I'm like, I'm like looking over and I'm like pointing at another person and they're like, they have no idea who I am. And then the funniest thing happens. There's some old dude wearing like a photographer's vest. And then a random guy walks out to him and starts screaming. And I'm like, you're the problem. And he's like, I don't know what's happening. And then finally the dude who's yelling at me then comes over and he's like, this guy right here. And I'm like looking. And, and then it was just really, really funny. One guy comes to my left and he's like, so is Mike Cernovich your buddy? And I was like, I don't know Mike Cernovich, dude. And he's like, you're not friends with him? And I'm like, bro, I met him maybe like one time. And I said like, hey, how's it going? And they start making things up. This woman goes to the security guard and she goes, this guy is a white supremacist who's trying to dox us to get us killed. And then they're like, what? And then I walk over and I show him my press card and my ABC News employment card. And I'm like, look, man, I have no idea who these people are, what they're talking about. Like, you know, here's my, here, here I used to, I used to work here and here's where I currently work. Like here are my cards. And they're like, we're so sorry about this, sir. But I just stood there. I'm at this university and I'm like, bro, I do bring it. Now fair point. Elad is at a bar and this guy's bartending. And so if he's like, "Yeah, then I'm not surprised Elad leaves." But we got a follow up from this guy. Let's uh, let's hear what this lunatic has to say. To expose their local fascist uh at their job this week. That's what I you know, I if
1: if if you can't get a raise, if you can't get a better job, the least I could fucking ask for y'all is to Confront your fascists, confront your local
0: fascists, tell them like it is and feel good about it. I'm going to stop right here. This is important for all of you to understand. Conservatives, libertarians, liberals, etc. disaffected liberals, sorry, not the woke weirdos. You, many people seem to misunderstand the language being used here. When this guy says fascist, he does not mean the word fascist as you understand it. So when you then come out and say, you're the real fascist, he, he may as well be saying you're a, a, a global blob blah, 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 blah. He could make up for any random word, a a globon. And then you go, you're a globon. He'll be like, no, I'm not. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. He's not saying fascist in the literal sense as any sane human being who studied history would understand it. He's saying, you're my enemy. You're my enemy. Call out enemies. You
1: know what I mean? You either punch a Nazi in the face or you expose the fucking dirtbag that he is. So wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. Hold on. He's calling Elad a Nazi and a Zionist at the same time. I love these
1: people any potential first date that he might have. I mean, it's crazy, like, the unsuspected look on her face, but she had no idea and she was about to go home with a, a fucking proud Zionist who-
0: <laughs> I love how he says Nazi and Zionist in the same sentence.
1: Love to show up at
0: abortion clinic defenses to harass protesters. See, now, full stop. This is what they do. They lie. Elad Eliyahu, for anybody who's ever seen any of his coverage, has never harassed anybody. In fact, my 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 statement, like my criticism of Eli would be like, he doesn't ask enough pointed questions. He doesn't get to the he asks very basic, good reporting questions. And I'm like, you could probably grill people a little bit more. But, you know, no, no, no. I don't want to put my bias on there. So if he goes out, he'll go up to someone and say, like, hey, what are you doing here today? Now, oh, here's what I'm here for. Be like, Now, some people have said X, Y, and Z. How do you respond to those comments? And they'll be like, how,
1: how dare you ask me a question? You know, protecting people trying to get access to reproductive care. It's kind of wild.
0: Reproductive care. I love how they call things that. Reproductive care. It's like, dude, Uh, Call it an abortion. It's an abortion. Reproductive care is when you're intending to reproduce. If your intention is to end the process of reproduction, I would not call it care. I would call it termination. So if you want to say reproductive termination, but here's the point of the games they play. They use words like white supremacist, fascist, etc., because they're trying to target the politically uninitiated. So they seem like the good guys. They adopt these terms to mean what they want them to mean, so that they can confuse the average person. Everybody knows fascists are bad. So when someone comes out and says, that's a fascist, they're saying, you're a bad person. To the average person who doesn't understand what fascism is, they just hear someone in their neighborhood say, that's a bad person. And they go, wow, that's what a fascist is.
1: But yeah, that's Elad,
0: bitch ass. It's Ilad, not Elad. But uh, not. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy doesn't understand that or know that. The point is this. I don't care about this guy. I know he is. I think, uh, what was it, Elad on a date or something and he just left? Like, what's that about? I, I, I got some questions, Elad. The dude says this chick was like unsuspecting and about to go home with him. I really doubt that. I I would imagine that Elad was just talking to a woman and then probably apologized and said, I'm going to leave. And then someone else yells, F you at him. This is what the zombie horde does. You'll notice that in the video. Nobody knows who he is. One guy does. They yell, and then the zombies just yell along with it. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. You know what you do? I'll tell you what you do. You want some advice? I'll tell you what I do. If I'm at a bar and nobody knows who I am, it's like I. It's, it's like the story I just told you about Cernovich. If somebody yells at me, granted, these days I may be too famous for something like this. I'm not trying to, you know, humble brag or whatever, but it probably wouldn't work. But for someone like Ilan. When that guy yelled and pointed at me and then I turned to look, I was invisible to the zombies because I was acting as they do. What I mean by that is if every single person is looking around confused, who is the subject for which is being addressed? Nobody knew who I was or what I looked like. So when he pointed, they're looking for someone to resist. When he shut it out, they're looking for the person swimming against the grain. I swam with the grain. I did what they did, and it confused the heck out of him. Here's what I would say for Elad. All he had to do when that guy says, you're Elad, be like, that's Nick. He's that white. He's that. He's that Nazi guy. He's a proud boy. He's this guy's you're, this, the bartender's a proud boy. And then what? Two weirdos yelling at each other. They're both fascists and everyone's going to get confused to play the game. If they want to yell and lie about you, why don't you? Why don't you play the game with them? make it as confusing as possible. Be like, yo, this guy's a proud boy, dude. This guy's a proud boy. Don't drink here, man. What is wrong with you guys? Don't buy from this fascist. Screw you. I'm leaving because you're a fascist. Or maybe don't drag the proud boys, I guess. I don't know, whatever you want to do. But that's the the idea. Because he's going to be like, no, I'm not. If Elad came out right away and just said, actually, you're the fascist, and the guy got in the defensive and said, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? I'm not a fish. And then you start saying things. Look, a lot doesn't go to abortion clinics and harass people. That guy made that up. He yelled that to people. Don't just let them start making things up and lying. And then he leaves and people are like, if you as he does. And they're like, wow, I can't believe that guy was here. That's how that's how it works. You know, I do. I'd be like, yo, this bartender guy, he's not a regular. He's he, he's not a bartender here. Yo, he's a fascist, man. This guy's a fat. I come here all the time. Yo, I'm leaving, man. This guy's a fascist. And then the bartender goes in the defensive, starts saying no I'm not, no I'm not, no I'm not. And then the narrative switches. Now the people sitting there are being like, "Yo, for real is this bartender a fascist?" No, I swear to God, I'm not. I swear. Make them be the one to beg and cry as to why they're not the fascist. Because all fascist means to these people is bad guy. It doesn't actually mean anything related to political ideology cuz Elad is not a fascist. That's the point. Anyway, I'm not going to rant on this too much longer. I'm going to wrap it up. But anyway, shout out to Elad. You know, is what it is. Was gonna, I'll always defend the people who work with us from these lunatics. But I'll say one final thought on this. If this is where things are going in terms of extremism, you can't go out for a drink. Elad's not Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's just a journalist. That's where we're going. I hope you understand. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. tonight at youtube.com slash TimCastIRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
3: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.